the choir will be back with us. And um, thanks again to the ensemble for helping us lead in worship and for Kay and Teresa uh, always carrying the load. But uh, we're looking forward to having uh, other, um, our choir back with us uh, starting on the 9th. Right, Kay? All right. So, um, at this time, we are uh, resuming and continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and today's message is entitled, A Fool and His Money. Our scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 12, and beginning at verse 13 through verse 34. Once again, I remind you, this is not the word of men, but the word of the living God. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, and they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory are not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, 
How much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old and with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Let's pray. Father, once again we ask your blessing upon the reading of your word. Father, give us ears to hear and let us see Jesus together today for your glory and for the cause of your kingdom. And grant us to be wise stewards. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. A fool and his money, dot, dot, dot. Can you fill in that blank? A fool and his money are soon parted. Yes. That is a famous idiom or proverbial expression. And the point is that a foolish person spends money too quickly on unimportant things. They invest in things that really don't matter that much and they unwisely find themselves departed from what they had. Once again, Jesus is carrying behind him a giant mass of people. He's countered and and engaged with the religious leaders in a very straightforward and and direct manner. He's called them out. He's exposed all of the religious leaders of his day. But now he seems to be on the move again. And once again, the scene seems to have shifted in Luke's narrative. However, instead of this being just an unrelated event that just As he's going along, this just pops up. I think it probably has connection. They may be more purposefully tied together than it might appear on the surface. These stories together show the contrast between Jesus' eternal perspective on everything 
and the petty temporal concerns of his followers, be they his disciples or the crowd or the religious leaders. They're all really missing the major point. Jesus is bringing that back into focus again today. And it appears that the big point is the danger of greed. Remember in the, the movie, Gecko? Greed is good. Not according to Jesus, it's not. Greed or covetousness or avarice goes by many names and forms. But it appears that greed and the pursuit of possessions constitute one of the greatest obstacles of our spiritual growth then and now. Greed gets in the way of so many things that God is doing and wanting to do in our lives. And yet we find ourselves entangled so often. Now, here's our outline for today. First of all, don't be avaricious. Secondly, don't be anxious. And thirdly, don't be afraid. Now, that first one, avaricious, is a form of avarice. Talking about that greed subject. Don't be avaricious. Suddenly, out of a crowd comes this man, yelling at the top of his voice, asking Jesus for relief. Because this guy has had somebody, a somebody done somebody wrong song. And it's in the form of a mess in the inheritance. And he's calling out to Jesus to come and be his advocate. Now, it was a pretty common thing for rabbis to do such. Jesus could have done that. But Jesus basically blew that off and said, what? what? What do I have to do with this for you? Let's talk about something really significant. This is, this is small taters that you're talking about. I want to take the subject much deeper and go much further. So rather than taking sides in this family dispute about who's going to get what in the inheritance, Jesus tells a parable that addresses as I said, far weightier matters. Again, that in verse 15, that danger of greed and avarice. Listen again. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. You've heard it said today, he who has the most toys wins. No, it doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't. That's what this guy in our story believes. But 
that's not the case. The word, as I've already said, translated greed or avarice is sometimes translated covetousness and means the lust to have more than one needs. And it involves a boundless grasping after more. Now, the parable itself is in verses 16 through 19, and it's fairly simple and straightforward. Here you got this guy, this guy that is very, very wealthy, and he has a very wealthy estate, and this guy has this fertile field. His, his field is just producing all kinds of wonderful things for his livelihood. And after some shrewd investments on infrastructure, he, he makes things even better. He starts doing things uh, bigger and better. He looks forward to sitting back and being able to say to himself, you done well, son, you done well. He continues to speak in the first person. Did you notice that? Over and over, I will do this, I, we will do this, I will do this, I, 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 I. And he keeps wanting more. It's never enough. He keeps wanting more. There's no hint of any awareness of what we call stewardship or responsibility to others as a result of his great, massive wealth and fortune. Seems to be no regard, no thought in his mind. It's all about me and what I can do and build bigger and build better. Now, this guy, we could say, certainly was a workaholic. It reminds me of... Ebenezer Scrooge in The Christmas Carol. You, many of you, of course, uh, have read that. And if you haven't, shame on you. <laughs> no, not, I'm just kidding. But it, it, it is a wonderful, wonderful story. So much uh, we, we can learn from Dickens. And I want you to listen to this depiction that comes very early in A Christmas Carol, very, very early as the narrator is talking about Scrooge and his former friend uh, and, and co-partner, uh, 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 Jacob Marley. Listen to this. Oh, but he, talking about Scrooge, oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Now, is that Dickens or what? I mean, that just that's that's this guy. That grasping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Now, I want you to understand something before you get me all wrong here. 
understand that there is nothing in the Bible that says you should give everything away and build a commune. Or you should just take all your money and dump it over the, over the side of the cliff. You shouldn't have any of it. No, none of that. Quite contrary, actually, in, in a number of parts of the Bible. Seems to extol and appreciate the value of being good stewards of and wisely using money. Not running from it. But we need to understand there is nothing wrong with having. Matter of fact, there's nothing wrong with having much. If God so blesses you and you don't go about it in the wrong means, in a way that's somehow evil. But you see, there's nothing wrong with having much. And Jesus, you don't find him attacking wealth itself. He always, though, addresses motives. Always. Jesus doesn't seem to be confirmed, concerned about the stuff that we wrap ourselves around the ax axle with. But he's very much what we are interested in and what we want and what we seek and what are our motives with the things that we have in our possession. However short that may be, as we'll see in, this, in the parable as we read. You see, the rich fool made two mistakes. He didn't understand himself and his own needs. He didn't, he didn't have a proper understanding of himself, and he didn't understand that the game is not he who has the most toys wins. But that's what he thought was the game. All he wanted to do was grasp and consume and store more. Secondly, he didn't care about others. He had no regard. He acted as if he alone was on this planet and it was all his giant oyster. He didn't care about others and he hoarded it like another old miserly character, Silas Marner. You may remember reading that one as well. You see, for a greedy man or woman, how much is enough? And you know what the answer to that is, don't you? Just a little more. It's never enough for a greedy hoarder, a greedy man or woman, just a little bit more. You see, the seeker of a little bit more wealth ends up with an empty soul and an empty life. Even though they have the trappings of treasure and wealth all around them. They can't enjoy it. You see, the seeker, 
Jesus underscores this tragedy as he closes the parable in verse 21. Listen again. So it is. So, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And we could add to his cause and to his kingdom because that's clearly in the text as well. Do we have that as part of our commitment to not only use what God has given us, but use it to advance the cause in the kingdom of God? You've heard me many, many times through the years that I've been here and reminding, trying to remind myself and remind us that our giving to the kingdom will echo in eternity. It won't stop. It will have its fruit and its result. Everything else that we think and we hold on to so tightly, that's going to be gone. But what we've done for him and his cause and kingdom, that will echo down through the corridors of eternity. That's what Jesus is trying to say here. This is what it's all about. I want you to listen to this quote by Daryl Brock. He says, all this teaching suggests the importance of proper priorities regarding possessions. They are a stewardship, not to be hoarded selfishly, selfishlessly, but to be used to benefit those around us. Jesus is not saying possessions are bad, but that the selfish pursuit of them is pointless. When the creation is inverted, the value of possessions is distorted. And those who climb over people or ignore them in the pursuit of possessions will come up empty on the day God sorts out our lives. What a tragic misuse of the gift of resources this man had gained. What could have been an opportunity of generosity and blessing became a stumbling block to his soul. Very weighty words for us all. Now, you see, possessions are like a little bit like light beer. They may taste great, but they're always less filling. <laughs> I know, I know, groan, groan, I know. <laughs> Got to give you one of those every once in a while. All right, so we've looked at the avariciousness. Don't be avaricious. The next in this passage is don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. 
In a world like ours, Jesus' words are like a sparkling oasis in the desert. Listen, verse 32. Fear not. Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You see, this passage, basic exhortation is essentially, don't worry. He's got this. Don't worry. You're not alone. He's got this. Trust him. You see, in Jamaica, they would say it a little differently. Don't worry about a thing, because everything going to be all right. <laughs> same, same sentiment, different, different accent. You see, God takes care of, of us. First of all, Jesus points, oh, by the way, um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that same thing is done, but not with, a, as I said, Jamaican accent, but with Paul's accent. Listen to Philippians 6 and 7. Do not be, what, anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't worry. Don't worry. Jesus points us to two issues that keep us worried over and over and over again. Rinse and repeat cycle time and time again. In verses 23 and 24, God takes, first of all, we're told not to fret over matters that are not our responsibility. How much do we trouble do we borrow upon ourselves? Not really our circus or our monkey, but we some, throw it up there, put it on our back. So often our troubles come and our worries come because we fret over matters that are not ours to be concerned with. Leave that in God's hands. Let those that should be handling that handle that. There's enough for the rest of us. You see, God takes care of the birds and he will take care of you and me. If he does that for birds, as we saw last time, He's going to take care of your and my needs. Secondly, we fuss over what we can't change. You ever do that? We get all bent around the axle on things that we just can't change. But we sure keep trying. We try to straighten out that bent axle over and over and over again. But we can't do it. We fuss over what we cannot change. 
while taking care of our bodies may be helpful, and it is, to extend physical life, worry can only shorten physical life. That worry is not going to help you. You see, God's sovereignty has marked the date of your and my death. And it will not come one day shorter or one day longer than God has planned. That's a comforting thing. Yeah, you say, well, I'd rather not be tomorrow. Well, sure, of course, we're human. All of us would. But he's got this. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got you and me, brother, in his hand. Now, the last one, sort of similar. Don't be avaricious. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And again, verse 32, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You don't have to be, you don't have to be afraid because he's got a kingdom waiting for you. And it can't be destroyed by moth and rust and all the agents that destroy the world that we see now. But the world to come, the new heavens and the new earth, that is the what is promised to us. And it will not ever perish because it is the new heavens and the new earth. You see, there are kinds, two kinds of treasure that one grows old and rots and the other one lasts. Trust in God frees us to treasure the relationships that are at the center of our lives, not at the peripheral, not at the office. To serve for the sake of God is to live and be truly alive. To serve for the sake of God and his kingdom is to really be alive. Jesus says, look at your treasure and what you do with it. And that will show you where your heart really is. That, that's what you really value. Now, Jesus is talking about the basic approach to life here. Trying to tell his disciples then and now. And he says, two things tell us the answers to these questions. Our heart and our pocketbook. He said, those things are indices, they're barometers. They tell us important things, our heart and our pocket. Our heart can tell us if we are anxious. And our pocketbook can tell us when we're generous or not. You see, both tell us whether or not we trust God. We say we do. I say I do a lot. I want to at so many levels. And probably do, just like you. 
But do I really? I keep, do I really trust him? Do I really believe he's got this? That I don't need to worry? That this is not something I need to be carrying? Listen to this one more quote from Mike McKinley. He says, as the parable points out, the problem with many of us is that we fear the wrong things. And while the prospect of divine judgment might not seem like a positive thing, in reality, the fear of the Lord that you see all throughout the Bible The fear of the Lord frees us from all the other fears. It frees us from all those other petty fears when we have our relationship with God where it should be. He says, in reality, the fear of the Lord frees us from all the other fears that plague our day-to-day lives. And listen to this last sentence. If you've got the fear of God right, then you don't need to fear anything else. He's saying, if you've got the right relationship with the God of the universe who sent his son, Jesus, to die and rise again for your justification so that you, a guilty one, can can become free. And you are his child. And you fear him with a reverent, tender, loving fear. Everything else, everything else will be okay. If we've got the fear of God right, if we trust God and believe and in Him, then you don't need to fear anything else this world can send your way. You see, people with a keen awareness of their mortality live by different priorities. At least they should. We should. If we're Christians, if we're followers, if all this is true, then we should live by different priorities. Not try to keep up with the Joneses and ape the world's culture around us. You see, the wise among us, and that's who Jesus is trying to encourage us to be, The wise use work and possessions and wealth as a means to a godly and kingdom end. Some for yourself, of course. Nothing wrong with that. But the wise use work, possessions, and wealth as a means to greater ends. Remember, no one ever said on their deathbed, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. Right? No. 
you think about that. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, how we, we get twisted and we get confused and we chase the wrong things and we seek the things that we really need to leave more in your hands. Father, help us to have the gracious and generous spirit of godly and good stewardship in our lives, in what we do, with what you've given us. Father, help us to not be avarice, to not be anxious, and to not be afraid. Because you have told us to fear not little flock. It is your, feather, your pleasure to give us the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to establish that kingdom that will echo in eternity forever and ever to the praise of your glory. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.